0: Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.org. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. Well, we end this series on the Holy Spirit this morning with a picture A picture of living water. Fire, as we've said in the Scriptures, represents God's presence, as we've sung about this morning. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Water in the New Testament often represents God's salvation. This is where the Holy Spirit convicts you and seals you. You are forever brought into the presence of God through what Jesus Christ has done for us. And if you've been listening, you may have picked up on this, I and mean, you may not. The first two messages in this series really were about what believers should do. The Christ follower should be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where we began in Acts chapter 2. And the next one was about being set out by the Holy Spirit out of the Gospel of Luke and how those who followed Jesus are not about themselves, but about others and for others. These last two messages really address what unbelievers should do. They should be assured of life by accepting or putting their confidence in what Jesus has done for them and accepting Him as Lord in baptism, calling on His name. Romans 10. Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the promise. Be assured. And today, we consider the fact that unbelievers must turn to believe in Jesus. We'll be in the Gospel of John chapter 4 if you want to open your Bibles there or turn on your Bibles or swipe up your Bibles or whatever it is you do. And John chapter 4 is a picture of that very thing Along with a woman by a well. But first, there's two verses that point out what Jesus is teaching about being in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, God being Spirit. And then we'll connect all of that with the story, okay? Verse 23 But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Why is Jesus teaching her this? Because God is spirit. and Those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. What's the backdrop for all this? Well, Jesus is talking to a woman who believes that worship must be Tied to a particular location. And so he corrects her by teaching her that actually God is everywhere in all times and in all things. And the way you worship him in truth accurately and in spirit, that is, with all that is within you and who you are, all who you are and all the time. So worship must be this way. What prompted this response Well, I invite you to listen to this beautiful narrative, beginning in verse 1 of John 4. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing them, his disciples did. So he left Judea in the southern part and returned to Galilee in the north. And he had to go through Samaria, on the way. And eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired from this long walk sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to walk to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And so she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to you would ask me and I would give you living water but sir she said you don't have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep where would you get this living water and besides do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to keep coming out here every day Jesus told her well go get your husband I don't have a husband she replied Jesus said you're right you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now you certainly spoke the truth Sir, the woman said, I see you're a prophet. So tell me, why is it that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? And Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, well, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who will be called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus said to her, I am the Messiah. From the beginning to the end of Scripture, the hope of a coming Messiah is central. Throughout the Old Testament, the idea of a coming Savior from from Genesis 3, speaking of crushing the head of the serpent, to to Malachi chapter 3, the Messiah is coming. Here in John chapter 4, this woman is saying, I know, I know the Messiah is coming. And Jesus replies, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And in this text, Jesus, the highly anticipated Messiah, approaches an obscure Samaritan woman. And in this encounter, everything changes. Jesus talks about this living water, that we and we learn that this living water cannot be contained or restrained by social barriers. Now, there were a lot of social barriers between Jesus and this woman, But there is no dam, there is no barrier, there is no impediment that will stop God from redeeming his people in the world. And spirit-led disciples are bridge builders, not bridge burners. Spirit-led disciples are part of the solution, not part of the problem. Spirit-led disciples see all people as made in God's image, not as potential enemies. The good news tears down the walls that we unfortunately build. What are some of the walls between Jesus and this woman? Well, there's a racial barrier, obviously. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. There was an, an ethnic identity that each associated with and that kept them from each other. There's a gender barrier as well. Women and men don't interact in this culture like this. And there is a moral barrier. This woman is a moral outcast. She is living, the way she's living is not the way she should. And Jesus is a rabbi, and Jewish rabbis don't associate with immoral Samaritans. She acknowledges this herself in verse 9. It's also not the time of day. It's, It's the heat of the noon. The sun is central in the sky. You go to get water early in the morning or late in the cool of the evening. She was there alone at midday, to avoid the public shame. People knew who she was, and people didn't want to associate with her. So why does Jesus reveal his Messiahship to this obscure, immoral, Samaritan woman? Why didn't he, do, why didn't he reveal himself to the influencers, the key religious leaders? Well, as we heard in communion, Acts 10, 34, God doesn't show favoritism. In fact, we see in John chapter 4, if you begin reading, you you realize that Jesus is for the elite because there's the story with Nicodemus. And he is for the outcast as we see here in this story. And frankly, Jesus is for you wherever you fall on this scale. So, we should expect Jesus to rescue, to reconcile people, rather than be surprised that Jesus says, Why? Because grace is given to all sinners. Verse 10 If only you knew the gift of God that is available for all. We are all different from somebody. Maybe in a different setting, you and I would be the outcast. In many ways, we're all like the woman at the well. Haven't you ever been somewhere where you didn't feel like you belonged? Somewhere where you didn't feel like you fit in? You know what enslaves all cultures? Something called ethnocentricity. The belief that your culture, your way of doing things, your race, is better than another culture or race. And this can happen to anybody from anywhere, from any background. But when the scriptures say every tribe, every tongue, every nation, God means it. What the world will divide, the good news unifies. What the world will segregate, good news brings together. So we have to stop viewing others as cultural barriers and start viewing them as good news bridges. That is exactly what Jesus is doing here in this story. There is no reason for these two people to connect, but Jesus connects with her because he has good news for her. You know, the truth is we all thirst for the same thing. So if you look at verse 3 and 4, when it says Jesus has to go through Samaria, you realize he didn't have to go there geographically. Jews skipped that area all the time. He had to go there missiologically. He had a mission. He had a purpose, a reason to be there. It was to share his good news. Jews avoided this area. You ever read that story? and say, How in the world did they ever get into this place if they hated each other so bad? We think of that in our world all the time. How in this spot, in this place, did these people, the Jews and the Samaritans, get to the point where they hated each other so much? Well, real quickly... Following the reign of King Solomon over the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom split into the northern and southern kingdoms. And after some time, the northern kingdom, that we know in the New Testament as Galilee, becomes the kingdom of Samaria. It's conquered by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., and as a result, the Jewish, a lot of Jewish people are taken out and the Jewish people left are mixed in with the other peoples that the Assyrians bring in. And not only did they simply mix people, they mixed religious practices of the Jewish people and the other religions brought in. And so the Jews in the southern kingdom viewed the northern kingdom as impure, ethnically impure, religiously impure. So when Jesus approaches the Samaritan woman, he is physically worn out. He's tired and thirsty, while she is spiritually thirsty. And here it seems some of the best God-given opportunities to all of us to engage others is when we're tired. Here, where Jacob's well gives physical water that satisfies physical thirst of that community, Jesus shares how living water that God gives satisfies the spiritual thirst that everyone has. In verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, I can give you water that will satisfy your soul. You know why you thirst physically? Jim, we live in Lubbock. Of course we know it's dry here. It is dry here, but the other thing we've come to learn is that our bodies are made up of 50% water, they say. And without rehydration, you're going to die. To die of thirst is an agonizing way to die. Every cell dehydrating to the point of malfunction. Jesus says, you thirst for God. And without what he gives you, death is going to be agonizing. At the core, we're all looking for the same thing. We all have thirsty souls, and yet we seek to satisfy it in different ways. We'll even lie to ourselves about what we think satisfies us. This woman encounters Jesus, and something happens, and here it is. To know the truth is to share the truth. To know the truth is to share the truth. So in verse 15, she says, okay, okay, I think I hear you. How do I get this living water, and what is it? And Jesus says, go get your husband. What a strange response from Jesus. In fact, it's a bit of a rude insertion, isn't it? Go get your husband. She says, I don't have one. And Jesus says, that's right. And I know how you're living, and it's not good. And the woman says, you must be a prophet. Now, what Jesus is doing here is moving her from a picturesque metaphor of living water to the gritty realization of her sins. You're sleeping with a man that you're not even married to. Jesus is truthful when he says, you speak the truth to the woman. But then Jesus unmasked her sin. And folks, repentance repentance is us giving up our sin to God. It's not a painless process. It's a wonderful thing that Jesus took our sin and took care of our sin problem on the cross, but it was not free. And he tells her, what you are trying to find by giving yourself to all these men, I have. She then tries to redirect the conversation in verse 20 by pointing to some geography. You worship there, we worship here. It's all good. Let's just leave it like that. I mean, you do your thing, we'll do our thing. and I mean, we, we only accept the, uh, what Moses wrote. You accept the words of the prophets. And Jesus says to her, no, the place of worship, it's going to be irrelevant. In fact, it already is. And he kind of loses her in verses 21 through 24. And so she gives up. And in verse 25, she says, oh, well, don't worry. When the Messiah comes, he'll he'll, he'll work this all out. He'll explain it all. And Jesus says, you're talking to him. Jesus comes to her personally. Next, there's an interesting exchange with the disciples about food. They're amazed he's talking to this woman. And then we pick up in the story in verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man. Oh, yeah, we know you and your men. No, no, come see a man who has told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people come streaming from the village to see him. You see what she left? I I'd never seen this before. I, I knew about the guys. You know, Matthew left his tax collecting booth and, and the fishermen left their fishing business, their nets. Here's a woman who left what she so vitally thought she needed, her water jar with physical water in it. She left it there To go and tell about the Messiah. She left the physical water to share the spiritual water. The people in her town know her. They all know her. They know her sin. They know her background. And what does she say to the people? Come see a man. "Uh, No, no, he's different. Not like the other men that she was known to be with. And what happened next? Verse 39 this, Many, many, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He's told me everything I ever did. They believed because of this woman's testimony. The obscure Samaritan woman. At the well, this woman who had three strikes against her, a woman in a male dominated society, a Samaritan viewed as ethically impure, a bad reputation because of her bad, immoral decisions, three strikes, you're out. But not with Jesus. She knew the truth and she shared the truth. And when she did, the whole village showed up. Who would have thought? Church, there is power. There is power, this is the power of of worshiping in spirit and in truth of the Holy Spirit in our lives. No matter what your background and backstory might be, if you believe in Jesus and turn from your sins, putting your confidence in him, the Holy Spirit can work in you. Even if you go to those who may think the vilest things of you, and God may save the whole lot because of your testimony. So are you thirsty? May our continual prayer in this place be, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. So God can work in you as a bridge builder, as a solution partner, as a God image seer as a good news teller. Come Lord Jesus. This morning it'll be elders down front in the balcony, Kern will be in the prayer room. And we're gonna close our time together and pray this song. Let's stand together as we sing. Thanks for listening. Again, I wanna encourage you to visit southplains.org where you can find all sorts of information, including how to contact us and how to request prayer. Thank you for joining us.